Hi everyone, it's Jaren. Cold open for this episode. Chris and I are very excited to bring you the first episode in our Pride Month Spectacular series, where we got to speak with Calvin and T of House of Ruckus. However, we are sad to announce that about a week after we recorded this episode, the Davenport Apartments collapse happened. In case you didn't know, that building is where the Mockingbird on Main was housed and where House of Ruckus performed the majority of their shows. Obviously, we are devastated that two of our favorite theater companies have suddenly found themselves without a home and experiencing heavy losses as far as equipment and other supplies. So in the description of this episode, I've linked the House of Ruckus Venmo account as well as a few other resources you can check out if you are able and would like to help support these theaters in their recovery. There are also details about a fundraiser production of their show Funkyology, the proceeds from which will all be donated to the residents who have been affected by this tragedy. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Take care of each other, and of course, happy Pride Month. All right, places everyone. Quiet on the set. Curtains in five. Welcome back to Footlights, a community theater podcast from the Quad Cities. I'm Jaren Michelle, and I use they/she pronouns. And I'm Chris Hicks. I use she/her pronouns. And this is the very first installment of our Pride Month spectacular for the month of June, which I am super excited about and have been looking forward to all year long. We are going to be spending the month of June focusing exclusively on queer-specific theater. Chris, what is queer theater? Well, from its beginnings in the late 1950s, Off-Broadway offered a platform for queer artists who were excluded from both mainstream theater and the existing avant-garde movement And queer theater doesn't have to be defined as being a play or a musical. Queerness exists in all mediums, in drag, dance, burlesque, circus, cabaret, etc. And we're seeing these lines blurred more and more often with new shows incorporating aspects of all disciplines. The end. (laughs) The end. And I have been wanting to get these two in the studio basically since we started this podcast anyone who knows me knows it is no secret that i am a huge huge fan of house of ruckus i would call myself a groupie but unfortunately there have been a handful of shows that i've not been able to make it to much to my dismay but we have them here in the studio today please introduce yourselves i i'm t green uh she her pronouns and uh, I'm Calvin Vo, and I'm known by he, him, but I go by any, all, so. Well, thank you guys so much for being in the studio today. I seriously, I can't tell you how excited I am. I'm a little bit nervous, so if I seem a little high-strung today, that's why, because I'm so excited. <laughs> there is really, I, I can't think of a better example of queer theater, especially in the Quad Cities, than you two. Can you kind of tell us how, how where, where'd y'all come from? Where did you go? How did this whole thing start? Yeah, I we were in a, a play together at Genesius Guild, like, um, it's got to be like five, six years ago yeah. at this point. And um, we just sort of like would sit around backstage and like goof and laugh. And then um, I think we just sort of started hanging out after mm-hmm. as friends. And then um, we made the decision to... Uh, write a play, and then that play is a play that will never be seen by human eyes. <laughs> um, it's not very good. <laughs> mm, I feel that. But then uh, four or five years later, we wrote our actual play that we published, and the rest is, what's less than history? I, I don't know. What's less than history? Okay, time out. What was your play that you wrote? Uh, it was called Jockalope. It went up at the Mockingbird on Main about... To a year or two? Maybe two. Almost two. A year and a half. Was that really two years ago? I remember that show. I absolutely loved it. Also, shout out to Mockingbird on Main. We love them around here. Yeah. They've been uh, really great, you know, us working out of their space. So they're really nice people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Easy to work with. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, we were at a Texas Roadhouse, I think, and um, mm-hmm. there was a uh, <laughs> there was a jackalope there, a jackalope, and I said we should write a play about a jackalope. And I said no. And then um, I said we were in the car after, and I said, okay, what if he was French and his name was Jacquelope? And then I said, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Cal was like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I've I've told this story like five or six times. So, if anyone really likes that story, you can read it or see it. Just like, about anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about, is uh, do you both have writing backgrounds? What are your, your theater backgrounds? Tell me a little bit about where where y'all started as individuals. Yeah, so I have my undergrad at Augustana College. And, uh, whoop, whoop. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Actually, uh, when I went here, I double majored in English and theater. So there was a lot of, uh, we did a lot of writing, actually, in my English major. Surprise. And then... Um, I studied theater here with a bunch of really awesome, fun people. Uh, you know, people you might know. Jeff Cousins was there, Jennifer Popple, Scott Ireland a long time ago. Um, and then, uh, oh, and Adam Parbuzing, he did uh, tech and stagecraft. He was great. But um, so I got my undergrad here, and uh, then afterwards, um, I did a lot of work in. A sort of theater and then areas of theater that were like instructional or educational mm. and so I ended up doing a lot of on my own um, uh, so I would work with students and we would do sort of like supplemental to whatever they were doing on stage we would sort of learn um, like each show I would do I would work in like some sort of like um, avant-garde theater movement or theater technique as we were doing sort of each different show and so I sort of um, as I was teaching them relearning about all this stuff that I learned in undergrad mm. you know about surrealism and dadaism and um, so you've always been kind of drawn to the more offbeat yeah I think so even like my um my capstone project for my theater major. Um, I spent some time in New York and we were studying sort of like small 100 seat theaters um, on off off Broadway. So I saw a lot of that stuff. I went out there for, to study and I saw a lot of that stuff. Mm. Um, you know, I went to the classic places like La Mama um, and then I sort of uh, saw some really cool shows out there, but then did some interviewing and it was a good time. Yeah. What was it about, what is it about sort of the avant-garde offbeat side of theater that speaks to you specifically? Um, anytime anyone says the word experimental, it's very sort of like nose up in the air. Or it's, you either think, wow, that is really artsy-fartsy, or you think, oh, this is a guy doing it like out of his garage. This is going to be not good. <laughs> um, but it actually maybe is the most important element of like what we do because um experimental just means that like in the rehearsal or like in the things that the shows and stuff that you put out you are experimenting so you're trying everything and some of that is going to be not good but be through that you throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and then sometimes some really good stuff sticks and then what ends up happening through through that kind of thing is you find stuff that really works that you would never have found just doing, you know, Music Man over and over and over. Sure. You know what I mean? You'll you'll find some really interesting stuff out there. Uh, we've we've sort of like some of our best bits on stage we find just because we're messing around, and then we'll be re- really tired one day, and then uh, you know mess up a line and be like, oh, that actually really works. If you don't say the line, but just mind that you're in a fish tank. And then all of a sudden that scene really works for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So I love that. T, what about you? Yeah. Uh, so I've like I guess I sort of grew up in um, the age of the internet. So like <laughs> uh, it was around the time where like everywhere YouTube would have like um, a random dudes in California being like, we're doing sketches. This, we're famous now. <laughs> so I growing up was like, that's gonna be me. And then, so, um, 
I would for like maybe like from middle school till like um, re- now in real life, uh, I would like just have a bunch of stupid ideas that I would like say, I'm going to film these one day. And then um, University of Iowa did this thing called No Shame Theater for a while. Hmm. Um, I, yeah. Is that where you went to school? I did not go to school okay. there. Um, I actually did this in high school. Uh, my dad would drive me to University of Iowa and uh, they would have original um, sketches that like it was a five minute chance to perform original sketches um, and I wrote a bunch of really bad sketches and I performed them um, with uh, you know to one or two people mm-hmm. uh, every Friday night. I had to pay a dollar to go in there. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> it's, the, it's the cheapest cover in Iowa City. Yeah. Is a dollar. Sounds like the cheapest cover anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but then uh, No Shame died. So then I uh, went back to, I went to St. Ambrose University Woo-hoo. for my schooling. Yeah, We went school. there together we as it happens. Yeah, it was cool. We, um, yeah, Jared, we were in plays together even were we in i feel like we were only in one. Oh, we were in play together that is we were in play together yeah. which is a shame because you were an absolute blast to work with and yeah. i would i want to work with you again at some point i don't know when that'll happen but i, I hope it happens likewise <laughs> i would say um but yeah I, I did theater at ambrose um and then like I I think I did a 24-hour play festival, and that was, like, the first time I had, like, written a complete mm. play um, other than the time we wrote that one play that we're never going to, no one's ever going to see it, <laughs> um, ever. The, you got to so, stop talking about it, because every time you say that, yeah, I really want to know what it is. Now we yeah. have to ask you to perform it. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll do it right here. Yeah. Right here, on mic. <laughs> I'm wearing my costume under this, but that's not going to help you. Anyways. Um... Yeah, so, and obviously St. Ambrose University's theater department was really helpful for me. Um, I got an opportunity to work with a lot of um, really, really people who are really good at their jobs that were able to, like, really focus on Mm. um, students individually. And, uh, you know, that uh, program is was really um, great for not just me but a lot of other people. But that's a whole other thing. What'd they do with that program? Oh, what did they do with that program? Something uh, really good? Uh, yeah. yeah. If cutting it was good. Yeah. Anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Love that for us. Yeah, geez. Um, but yeah, Ambrose, I went there. And then um, we started doing plays. Yeah. Um, and then now we don't sleep, but our hearts are full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can I circle back a little bit? You said... Growing up, you you thought, I'm going to do that. And there's kind of been a common theme Mm -hmm. with all of our guests. How early did you know that theater was your path? Um, my... Both of you, that's directed to both of you. Oh, sure. I had this little Lorax puppet uh, (laughs) that I think came with a book my mom bought. And I remember being like three or four and um, like not announcing that I was going to start doing a puppet show, but being very upset that no one was watching my puppet show. <laughs> um, and That's what we do now. That is what we do now. <laughs> we just pop up, and we're like, where, did, where is everybody? <laughs> oh, we didn't invite anyone. Dang. Oops. So three or four? You yeah. think that was your initial? Uh, I think How about so. you, Calvin? Uh, I... It's weird because my relationship with theater is really interesting. Uh, it has burned me several times in my life, and I keep going back to it. It's like <laughs> a bad ex. Uh, no, but it's, I think I, the earliest is like, I would do sort of grade school plays. I remember that. We had teachers who would sort of, there's the gym cafeterium that we would have plays in, and I was in those. Uh, but then sort of a lot of what I do too here is like T and I will write together and then sort of we toss around who directs. T does a lot of directing. I do some directing and then um, I'll do things 
sort of behind the scenes as well, sort of like some of the design stuff. So a lot of the the characters you see on stage or the way the world sort of looks. And that's that part of it started maybe when I was, uh, I was little, little. Like I was a little kid and I would make little dioramas all the time. Uh-huh. So yeah. I had lots of like toys that I would put into a scene and then like cut and draw stuff. And I remember one time I was in the, down, I was at, uh, downstairs at my grandparents' house and I had glued an entire sort of like Easter slash alien diorama <laughs> onto my grandparents' bar downstairs, and my uncle came down. He was not happy. Oh about no! That. Oh, that sounds something very similar to what my son did. But I want to circle back a little bit. You said you've been burned a little bit by theater. Oh yeah. So well, now this is important because yeah. you have persisted despite those. Yeah. So let's talk a little more about that. Uh, well, so I did theater in middle school, like officially. I think my first play was Chateau La Roach. Uh, I played Nigel something or other. And uh, he was this British guy who then ate roach poison and then played a million different characters, which is like from the start, I was doing weird stuff. That like sounds that. very House of Ruckus, yeah, actually. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's where it started. Thank you, Mrs. Thomas, Mrs. Beecham. Uh, no, so. And that was actually fun, really, really fun. Uh, but then I went to high school and didn't really do theater again. Mm. I had a lot of my friends were always in theater, so I would hang out in that group. And then I did a couple plays um, in high school, and I had some not so great experiences. I think, uh, sort of like weird choices in direction, uh, weird choices in casting, and so I was sort of burned weird choices in plays also uh so i sort of was like i don't i'm not really into this so then i quit quit theater and then he'd used air quotes on that oh yeah sorry you can't see that (laughs) can you hear it in my voice uh and then i in undergrad i went to do secondary bio ed and so, again, it all happened again. I had a bunch of friends who were in the theater, but I didn't really do theater. I did improv, actually. That's where I got a lot of improv mm. um, practice was there. But I wasn't doing any theater. I had a lot of friends in theater. And then it was like my junior year, maybe, that I did my first main stage there. Like, I didn't do... And then I declared that year, too, I think, my major. And then... Oh, wow. Yeah, we did a couple shows. I did... We... I did a couple shows, uh, and it was pretty fun. And then, again, there were a couple... None of the Augie directors we had... I don't know if I can say this on mic. There was one show in particular that I thought, mm, this was not thought through. And it wasn't any professor, so you guys don't have to worry. But I was like, ah, oh, gee, this is... We just... I think everyone in that show remembered afterwards being like, ah, oh, this thing's over, that's awesome. Um, but then... There's got to be one in every... Yeah. One in every batch. Right. Uh, like which that. Which is a bummer because it was the experimental one and I thought, oh, oh really no. Cool. But no, it wasn't. So then after that, um, I ended up with my major. I did a lot of main stages there. But then after college, I didn't really, I wasn't really on stage a lot. Mm-hmm. I did a little, a couple things here and there. But I, I didn't really do a ton actually because um, Quad City Theater Workshop, name drop, uh, actually rip because yeah, they no longer say. exist. Um, we miss them a lot. They're really, really great. Maybe yeah. some of the yeah. sort of Amen. W- most professionally produced stuff in the area in a long time. Um, but I did a couple shows there, but I wasn't sort of a regular. I would do maybe one every couple of years or so. But I didn't really do a ton on stage. And then we started writing together, and now it's another one of those whirlwind moments. Do not burn me tea. <laughs> I won't. I, I'm not allowed to use matches yet. <laughs> I, okay, we have that you in, have we have that in common tea. <laughs> do you have um well yes you he just said that you direct have directed mm-hmm. so which do you prefer behind the scenes or on stage yeah i mean that is, is sort of a a recent discovery i've made is that um, I don't know if I like acting as much as I thought I did. Really? Yeah. And I think what I liked about acting was the sort of getting to, um, I think, like, present, like, a story and, like, um, 
sort of share a part of myself in that way. And that is an itch that writing, I think, scratches even more. Yeah. And I have, I think what I have enjoyed the most is performing things sort of we've written, um, l- like more, less so like playing characters and more like being ourselves sort of um, telling lines we wrote. And I think for both of us, um, what has been nice about doing House of Ruckus is we are um, unique casting types, I did air quotes, um, in that like uh, there are usually if someone is, is looking to cast us in a role, uh, it's like weird little creature, big smelly creature. Um, <laughs> and like I think that was something we sort of that led to us wanting to write is that we sort of got to, um, control our, uh, I don't know, like, like control how, um, the kind of characters we play, yeah, how we're uh, presented on stage. you know, yeah. pulling a Lin-Manuel Miranda or whatever. Um, and, <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> so look out for our, uh, Next show where I play a big scary monster. And I play a little feral child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've mentioned House of Ruckus several times now. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I, as the odd person out, have no idea what House of Ruckus is. Okay. And and it's okay. He doesn't want me to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think... For me and our vast audience in podcast land, we should probably e- explain or describe give what House of Ruckus is. The ele- give us the elevator pitch for those who may not be familiar. <clears throat> okay. Do, 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 Fifth floor, please. Do, 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 so House of Ruckus is a... <laughs> uh, House of Ruckus is a, our um, theater company... Uh, we focus on, um, like, avant-garde, sort of, like, queer works. I guess, like, the best way to describe sort of um, what we do is, like, I, I'm i an absurdist, Calvin's a surrealist, and we sort of um, combine, and we're both really weird and silly, and we <laughs> sort of combine all of those elements into sort of the point of view we have for um, everything we write, Uh, like anything. I think both of us have very unique sort of um, references and very varied references between us, and I think all of those come together. I think, I guess I would say House of Ruckus is, while it is like right now is um, sort of comedy plays, it is also um, has elements of like a visual art, and um, I don't know. What would you say? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like um, I would say. Okay. It's sort of like. Why can't I do this? It is really hard yeah, to weird. sort of pin down. It, uh, I feel like when like I I also yeah. have this not issue not issue but like when i try to sort of explain what house of ruckus is to other people i'm like it's really hard to put into a box it's, it's like game muppets on lsd yeah. <laughs> we should put so that muppets. on the, on the business card <laughs> yeah yeah uh it's it's like bill and ted's meets peewee's playhouse meets the labyrinth uh yeah for meets, sure um i don't like chris is sold yeah, yeah, boy, I just <laughs> I, I have such a laser vision of what this is. Oh, well, I will take you. I will take you to their next show, well, which is a really good segue to plug the next show that y'all have coming up. Let's Please talk it. about that. Yeah, a uh, funkyology is our uh, next play that goes up on June second, third, and fourth. Calvin is nine. frantically pulling up yeah, leaving things space. on his phone. <laughs> nine. Oh, awesome. Uh, June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, and 9th, 10th, and 11th, first try. Um, at 7.34, doors open at 6.59 at the Mockingbird on Main. Uh, tickets are $12 at the door via cash or Venmo. What is Funkyology, you ask? Well, let ask. me tell you. 
Do you want to answer? Uh, let me tell you. <laughs> you said, yeah, you said let me tell you. And then... So we have our we have our sort of self-insert characters, Johnny and Fungus. I play Johnny, T plays Fungus. I freaking mm-hmm. love Johnny and yeah, Fungus, they're fun just guys. by the way. They're way f- more fun than we actually are in real life because <laughs> I get a tummy ache more often than Johnny does. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, Johnny is really... He's not as smart as I am in real life, so he's really interested in sort of like we're pastiching that History Channel sort of garbage fake documentary thing mm. that they do where they say, um, uh, some say that Eisenhower wasn't made out of taffy, but how cool would it be if he was? <laughs> and it's, but then the rest of the show is hinged on that, but what if he was? Right. And it's so garbage. So Johnny's really interested in those kinds of things and he gets really sort of swept up in it. So they win this contest and go on site and they go to this hidden temple. Uh, was it aliens? It was. Uh, but um, was it aliens that drive Maseratis? Uh, probably not. So they go through this temple with a bunch of people. There's a real researcher, a fake researcher, and uh, some crazy characters. Uh, and and this has a plot? That is, you heard it right there. That <laughs> was the plot. That's all you need. Oh, um, and the, it's, it's like... Uh, what is it like? It's like Indiana Jones meets Bill and Ted's <laughs> meets Pee Wee's Playhouse. Bill and yeah. Ted. I... Not on purpose. I don't. I like that movie, but not that much. Or those movies. And but... I do. I I love this thing that you guys do so well, which is this sort of satirical thing that we're all so familiar with, yeah. and really really flipping it on its head. I like. Okay. I'm about to say this. Everyone knows how much I love my hometown, but like okay. I will see your work and think like, what the heck are you doing in Davenport, Iowa? Because yeah. I, you really oh. like it. It's so. It's just so good. The writing is amazing, and Thank like you. the. It, like the cast is so great. You have an yeah, amazing awesome. cast. Uh, Sarah Goodall, Max Robnett, just to name a couple. Yeah. Um, awesome. The whole like the whole thing is just so freaking good. And I like I cannot believe that it's like that. It, I can't believe it's here. You know, like you really kind of blow my mind with how talented you guys are. Um, and I feel like I bring up Spooky Pete like at least once a conversation. That's like a show that Great I really show. I feel like that's Thanks. a really good example. Like when I try to explain to people what House of Ruckus is and why I love it so much, that is often the example that I give because um, it's very it, it is. It's very much that taking something that we're all familiar with and flipping it on its head in a way that's s- so fresh and funny in a way that I don't feel like you see very often you do have really really funny kind like kind of obscure references like your sense of humor is just like i i just i just love it so much man and i can i can i ask you about spooky peep just because i love it so much and i want to talk to you guys about it yeah (laughs) this um, is my podcast damn it i can talk about whatever we we want (laughs) before we do i want to point out that cal and t relatively young and as i recall a prior guest jake ladd said this is a springboard to greater things so just because they're still in davenport now doesn't mean they won't be somewhere better or bigger later bettendorf (laughs) no i think bettendorf smaller moline (laughs) oh yeah elgin So yeah. let's talk. I want to talk. I want to so talk spooky now, Pete. Spo- whatever. Did you say spooky as in woo? Yes. Yeah. Spooky yeah. Pete. That was like one of my one of like the highlights of everything that I that all the stuff that I saw last year. That was last year, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Anyway, snuck right in there. How was so? How was that born? It's it is it's the perfect example of queer theater to Thank me. Thank you. Um, one time I was. Uh, hanging out with a friend um, at St. Ambrose University, and I told a, a fake ghost story where the joke was that it was a really bad ghost story, <laughs> and the character in it was named Spooky Pete. Um, years later, uh, sort of as I, um, as we started uh, House of 
ruckus and I, th- I think I was sweeping the floor at Jackalope and um, I had this thought of Spooky Pete again and then I had this thought of um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show mm. which um, I guess is sort of this like landmark of queer theater that um, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to as like like I don't I don't get a lot out of it as a queer person uh, personally Mm. um with Rocky Horror I think there's aspects of it that um uh I think maybe I don't know haven't aged well haven't aged well yeah Mm -hmm. um so we can say that yeah yeah so I I was sort of calling Spooky Pete um Rocky Horror but with consent kind of was my thing I would tell (laughs) people um and then what I really wanted to do um, and what we wanted to do sort of with everything we do is instead of making the, in all horror, um, or in a lot of horror, queerness is often used as a negative thing. Yeah. Um, or like a sign of like, oh, isn't this like a scary, weird person? Because mm-hmm. they're like, they like girls kissing girls or whatever. I don't right. Know. Jennifer's um, body, a pretty good example of yeah. that, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, isn't that scary? Mm-hmm. Um, I we wanted to be like, okay, what if uh, these teenagers went into this um, sort of scary mansion and nothing bad happened and everyone had a good time and they learned about themselves, um, and, <laughs> and that's what happened. And that's what happened. <laughs> what happens? Um, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, why I can think of a plot for a play we already did and. Uh, <laughs> And it's not, it's also like, so there's a lot of, what is interesting is when you see queerness on stage or in a movie or on TV, it's often, uh, Matt Baum has some really great video essays on this type of thing, but it's often seen as like some trope of like either bury your gaze or some sort of like villain or scheme or, and so we, we wanted to do a thing where it's like, what a, no one's like that. Mm-hmm. No queer person is actually like what you see on TV. So we were like, well, we'll we do our sort of outlandish, wacky comedy, but then we write the characters. Yeah, some of them are queer, but it's just sort of like a representation of like, what is it actually like to be in a comedy and be, be queer, you know? Um, and the other thing is we don't... There's no true... Like, if you watch that play, there's no real, like... We don't villainize any particular orientation mm-hmm. or any particular character. There are characters that make choices based off of what they would do, and then you sort of think, "Oh, that guy's kind of a, that guy's kind of a jerk," <laughs> uh, and you know. But there, are th- there are things in the show that are sort of like, "Yeah, but all of this is very realistic. We're not trying to, you know, villainize anyone." And then also like trying to show slices of queer life that show show it the way it is rather than the sort of like fake Hollywood uh, sort of it's always like a scheming person yeah mm-hmm. or a a bully or something I don't know whatever yeah so and I, I thought you did that really well particularly with the um, the two the sort of lesbian love story yeah. that's sort of written in there uh, with Sarah Goodall and I don't remember the name of the Amelia girl Amelia Fisher Amelia Fisher um, I thought that was brilliant and it uh, had this very cute like like you have sort of the lesbian meme stereotypes yeah. in there, but mm-hmm. in a way that is that is so so wholesome and sweet and positive and like honestly like that all stereotypes are based on well, something, I have, right? right? I have to say you have now piqued my interest because mm. you know, for me of a much older generation than all of you, it took me a while to get used to the term queer theater. Yeah. Because in my generation, if someone was called queer, it was an insult. And I was, I was so uncomfortable. My son helped me a little bit because, and if you don't agree with this definition, please feel free to correct me. Um, he said, there are so many, you know, when I was growing up, it was gay, was the only yeah. odd thing out. But now we have... Um, transgender and and yada 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 
And he said, it's, you needed an overall term because it can get kind of bogged down trying to come up with the correct terminology for someone's orientation. So at least that has helped me. So would you agree with that? Who goes first? I, I go first. You sure. go first. Um, I, th I think so. Yeah, I, I <laughs> particularly... So it's interesting because... Uh, queerness is like any other thing, whether it's sort of your heritage or your, you know, whatever anyone identifies as, is that any particular one person is not, doesn't subscribe, there's not one thing that everyone is. Yeah. Like yeah. if, it, uh, so I'm an Asian American person, so to speak, whatever. Uh, but that I, not every Asian American person is the same. Not a, every Asian American person from uh, the Quad Cities is the same. And what I, so in queerness was really interesting is there are still people who really don't like that word actually. Yeah. Um, but I think especially the younger generation of sort of young queer people adopt it because it's, I think it's a really nice umbrella term, but it's also like, a way to identify if you, because uh, not everyone is gay or lesbian or bisexual. I mean, those are sort of the three bigs, but then it's right. like, there's a lot of different things that you can sort of feel and be that don't have a name. And so I think maybe sometimes people well, that's use. A good, that's yeah. a good yeah, point. It's a really good way. way to sort yeah. of not shoehorn people into yeah. a box. And, and it really impressed me when you said that you don't vilify anybody. So now I'm anxious to see House of Ruckus. Well, and and so you, I will, and I will be reviewing you afterwards. <laughs> yes. And something that I will also say about the word queer that I feel like is so apt for this conversation is like in the same way that us as a community have sort of taken that word that was once used to oppress us and have now made it our own and something that gives us power. I feel like that's very much what you what you do with your writing and with your shows as well. Um, you sort of take, um, and a particular, especially with Spooky Pete, you sort of take this thing that, you know, you are, you are prescribing this villainy, this scariness onto us, but we have this is in no way coming from us, it's coming from you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's simply not true. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's exactly sort of, well, not exactly, but that's basically what the characters say in it, too. Mm -hmm. If you listen really closely, that's sort of like, uh, there are characters who are like, oh, this house is haunted, this guy's a freak, this guy's uh, gonna kill us all, but that's all stuff that they are saying, mm -hmm. right? He just wants to have a good time. He's really fun. He's really fun. Yeah. Um, we stand Spooky Pete. We do. Yeah. A Paulindian brute, says uh, Pamela Briggs. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, um, shout out to Pamela. Uh, so the, I, I kind of wanted to talk a little um, sort of in talking about Spooky Pete. And our uh, um, we try to, in everything we write, um, sort of, do something that I call a casual queerness, mm. um, sort mm. of instead of like, because on top of, oh, the gays are always the villain, if they aren't, it is like, it if a story features gay characters, it's like, it has to be about that and it has to be sad. It's sort of like yeah. a how special episode. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, that's sort of a lot of the... Um, I don't know, like a lot of the queer theater that can be sort of done around the area can sort of lean into that more that it's like, oh, this is like, they're very sort of um, about issues. And that is cool and that is important, but what I've enjoyed about writing is getting to sort of, um, for us to write characters that are uh, yada, yada, yada on the LGBT spectrum um, and like are um, just... Uh, people like you'll find in funkyology uh coming this june 2nd that um a there is a wide variety of characters that identify sort of uh, differently in a way that is sort of casual because kind of why not right like when you have a character um uh, most most of the time when people write a character that you'll be like ah 
fine, they're straight, whatever. And it's like, oh, it's sort of fun to challenge that and be like, oh, you know what? They're all gay. Because um, that is more accurate to our sort of group in House right. of Ruckus. Yeah. Is, um, we're a bunch of... We find each other. Yeah. No, because people will sort of be like, Oh, I can't watch this. This is unrealistic. There's more than one gay person in a room. <laughs> right. Who are we going to use as a punching bag? Sort of I can count as a joke. On, yeah, I can uh, count on one hand the amount of straight friends that I have. Right. But the, the thing is, like, when we're in a room, it's like the whole room is something. But that I think it's you sort of find that. Uh, you sort of, you know, you'll be walking at the mall and then you'll see, and they'll, and then you go. You can't see anything I'm doing right now. It's a you lot cl- of... You clock each other yes. <laughs> from across um, the room. Well, and it's just like you said, no one is just one thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Or even if they are, you know, someone who is, you know, a lesbian is not the same as every other person who identifies that way. I think that's something that we sort of casually challenge. I like that. Um, someone, maybe it was your mom, actually. Someone said that we were a good example of... Um, uh, sort of like a, a buzzword or phrase that's going around queer joy so a lot of times like people yeah. talk about like the representation of different identities in their joy and I think that that's interesting like avoiding not avoiding the drama is important and the drama is represented a lot and so mm-hmm. you start to think is that the only way that you know these identities sort of exist but then seeing examples of queer joy uh, or for our intents and purposes sort of Queer cash, yeah. Queer yeah. casualness mm-hmm. uh, is interesting because it's like I think I said somewhere that they sort of the characters interact and joke and hang out the way that we do on a weekend. It's just they're also uh, they're also in the Rocky Mountains or in a in a hidden temple or in space. <laughs> yeah, June second. <laughs> Well, and at the time this episode was released, it will probably be your second weekend is coming up on the 10th. June 10th. June 10th. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to triple check that. And like, it's June not... June 9th. G- <laughs> yes, June 9th. Say, you know, whatever the week... It's this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's Sorry. happening this right, weekend. Right, right. Um, well, and it's it's different from your, uh, you know, your your gay people are in Hallmark movies now, where it's yeah. like we're not. And we oh, talk, we talked those about, are so. We, <laughs> and we talked about this with uh, Bradley Robert Jensen, whose okay. episode is coming out later yeah. this month. Um, it's different from those who are just like, yeah. They're gay, and we just we don't even talk about it. Like, mm. of course it, we accept it. Like, of course oh, it's fine. Oh, oh, yes, they do, because I'm watching Ride right now on the streaming. <laughs> they talk about it, but they don't kiss. <laughs> there you go. But it's, you know, it's yeah. different from mm-hmm. that sort of pat, you know, like, we, we've got the queer characters, yeah. but we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. di- it's different from, it is, it's that, that casual... That casual challenge, that's a really good, that's a really good way to describe it, I feel. I I think, I was thinking about this too, about sort of, yeah, yeah, I was thinking um, (laughs) about uh, funkyology. Duck and cover. (laughs) Watch out. We sort of make fun of the um, History Channel thing. Yeah. I like that our works are like satirical. Oh, yeah. But that they like. I, I don't know. Like, they aren't. Like, it's like, right. they are sort of like, every, I think everything we write will have some sort of satire about some sort of convention, but it will be sort of, it won't be in a way that is like, you'll leave um, feeling sort of, uh, I don't know. Thoughtful. Like, thoughtful or um, s- nervous. I don't know. Um <laughs> Everything yeah. we do is through the lens of uh, everyone having fun, um, but still, like, not... Like, because so often people are like, oh, everyone have fun, so don't talk about things and uh, keep all your weird stuff down. But it's like the way we do it, where it's like, no, everyone's having fun because we are talking about this stuff, and the weird stuff is um, all over the place. Yeah. And um, Max Robnett is in the chandelier, and... That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, no, and then it's like, uh, I, you know, we attack a lot of things casually. Yeah. So, like, you'll... I don't know if there's one politician 
that hasn't been eaten by a cryptid in a play. <laughs> like, we have a lot of... Poli- I, I'm like, oh, man, there's a lot of, like, mayors in our p- plays. Nothing against mayors. Actually, yes, a lot. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but like, a, there, there'll be po- politicians in the play. And then I was like, T, do you notice, like, all the people in power always end up being eaten by a jackalope or something? And then we were like, oh, yeah, we sort of, like, casually will do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I loved the uh, Al Gore rhythms joke. Oh, yeah. 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 Random fun. access morons, by the way. I wrote that song. I didn't write it. I sampled and mixed it. It was fun. It was it was really good. Yeah. It was good. I loved mm-hmm. it. That And that's such a, that's so, like, what pride is, right? It's mm-hmm. like, in order for all of us to have our fun, we kind of have, we kind of have to acknowledge the structures that have not allowed us to do that and we yeah. have to dismantle those structures in order for in order for us to have our fun mm-hmm. us being the queer community like everybody you know in order for us to have our fun like everybody else we have we ha- there are systems that need to be dismantled and and also you know the things that are quote unquote weird about us you know should not again sh- you know we sh- that should be allowed to be out in the open and again structures need to be dismantled for us to be able to do that and i think you guys just do that beautifully what's fun about the dismantling is that sort of these little jokes and nods here and there is that sometimes i, th- I feel like people will be really upset and they'll sort of like get angry at the thought of you're dismantling <laughs> this thing and then they're sort of like it's not even there okay no one's oppressed that's never happened right but then what's nice about the jokes and the little sort of like the way that we sort of casually will attack some of these things is that the things that people have taken for granted in their lives so much that they don't even see that they those structures exist when you poke fun at them you have to see them yeah. You have to see them to make a joke about them. So when we say, isn't it funny that the History Channel has perpetuated a lot of these conspiracy theories that people now have turned into, like, have weaponized? Right. Um, when you poke a little joke at it, you have to see it. Mm-hmm. But if you bring it up in an argument with someone, they're sort of like, oh, that's, you sort of, not to use this word, but you sort of get gaslighted. Oh, that's not real. You know, you're sort of reading too much into it. Mm-hmm. But if you can, that's what's nice about comedies. If you can sort of joke about something then you can see the thing that is there that is being joked about. Yeah. If that makes sense. And it's a really effective way to, I think, start a, be constructive about those conversations, right? Without having people get defensive and you're just like talking to a wall at that point. Right. It's a way, it's a way that, you know, that sort of brings people in and opens up that door in a non, I don't want to say not, for lack of a better term, non-violent way. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about, I, first of all, I'm so grateful that y'all are here because because you are bringing the kind of representation that I think people like me are just like so craving. Um, and it's such a unique, it's so unique. It's so fun. And it's so like, I feel seen when I go, like when I go to a house of ruckus show, like it's, it's just such a wonderful thing to have in the community. And I really, I really love what you're doing so much. And I appreciate what you're doing for the queer theater community so much and it's it's so weird right because like everyone knows that theater is a gay ass space right but we are hardly ever we're not represented in a way that i think really hits home with us a lot of times Mm -hmm. we talk about this often yeah yeah yeah. um would you mind to say more about that what do you what do you guys talk about in those conversations yeah i i sort of talk about how um a, a unique thing about us being sort of I don't know, underground, and which is just code for no one sees our plays. Um, <laughs> Go see uh, their plays, uh, yeah. darn it. Um, but the we sort of have a chance to build an audience and build an audience that is okay, that not is okay, that likes what we're doing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it can be difficult in sort of a changing climate when um, sort of like places that have been around for so long have this sort of clientele of uh, people that are not not uh, okay with seeing um, like queerness. So yeah. there's sort of the fear of like, oh, we can't do uh, you know a, a play this season that focuses on queerness because we don't want to um, upset the people that are all coming to see our plays. Mm. Um, and then. I don't know, 
then we'll have uh, queerness on stage and people will be mad and whatever. Um, but we sort of get to bypass that because um, we can sort of choose our message and we can choose our audience and um, sort of build a place for people to see that, um, that maybe they can't see other places. Um, and yeah, just like, I don't know, it, it's, it's just, I think there's always been this thing about theater and people who are queer and the, the sort of idea of like, oh, I'm in theater and so, of course, I love gay people. But then that sort of can sometimes be it for the conversation. And then that um, they don't do any more work to sort of, like, right. make a space that is actually comfortable for, um, like, people of all sort of identities. And, um, yeah, like, big theater, corporate theater, whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, the uh, the environment, any sort of like rehearsal space you go in where you're seeing like these theater environments where you've seen the same plays done a million times and sort of like the big Broadway hits or whatever. I mean, not nothing against Broadway. There's something sort of very fun and very sort of beautiful and gorgeous about what they do too. Um, but when you go to those rehearsal spaces, it's sort of like it's it's that weird air quotes unwritten thing of mm -hmm. like oh yeah everyone's gay there. Mm -hmm. But then you... But only in so much as everyone's gay there, but all of the stories we tell are about straight love stories yeah. and about uninteresting people who who do nothing and then fall in love because they met two minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And then, um, <laughs> oh, everyone's gay, but as long as he can play the straight boyfriend. Right. Or as long as he can play the gay best friend. If I have to see poor Joe Lasher play a straight love I interest know. one more time. <laughs> we will not make him do that. We no. don't, actually. Yeah. yeah. He's been in a couple of our shows. He's been a gay character in every single one that he's mm -hmm. been in. Yeah. Oh, I love that yeah, so, so much. That makes my heart happy. That. And a cactus once. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I loved that Famously. so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. a prickly character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he was actually quite pleasant. Eh. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, so it's 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 sort of that like that thing where you go in and oh everyone's gay, but not in so much that we cater to everyone here. Right. Only in so much as we cater to the people that give us a lot of I'll say it, the people that give us a lot of money who don't necessarily mm -hmm. I think that it's a the idea of something that isn't straight is like a bad word to a lot of people because it f it freaks a lot of people out. I don't know why. I don't know what's so freaky about it. I mean, I don't, whatever, you know, I, I don't understand it. Um, and then we are in a really interesting place in that it sounds all very incredibly thought out and purposeful. A lot of it is just, we just do what we like. We write what we have fun writing. Yeah. And then it just ends up being sort of this thing. And then once we've second thought through it, it's like, oh, there are sort of these elements here. We're in an interesting place, though, where we um, don't have a necessarily steady for sure audience every show. And so we're not relying on certain tickets and certain dollars to come through the door. Mm -hmm. So we don't cater to any particular thing. So the thing that comes to us is the thing that likes our thing rather than... Yeah we do things to get certain people through the door, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's really nice because I think if uh, there are a lot of theaters here who've been around for decades, and I think some of them may catch themselves being like, oh, we want to do this. This play is really fun, and, and we got the people for it, and it's really big, and it'd be great to do, but we can't quite do it because the audience wouldn't respond well to this part or that part or whatever. So Right. So I want to end by asking the two of you the same two questions that I ask every guest on the show, but we're modifying it for Pride Month. So these two questions are the normal questions, except they're gay. Uh, <laughs> um, so first, I have a Friday night all to myself and nothing to do. Why do I go to a House of Ruckus show? They're fun. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, because, I mean, I, I don't know, like, there's no, if you are someone who likes plays, and you're also someone who likes celebrating on a Friday night, you're not, you're not going to find a better 
play that s- sort of scratches both those itches yes. because you'll you'll go to see like a House of Ruckus play and um, it is going to be a guaranteed uh, attempt to be a fun time right. and I think in a way that um, sort of both of us and sort of our um, how we there is sort of that like vibe of like oh you're like at the club with friends and um everyone is laughing and everyone's having a good time so it's like if if you're someone who likes going out on friday night and you also like plays come see our play funkyology june 2nd third fourth ninth tenth and 11th <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh friday night nothing to do go see House of Records show because you're going to walk through the doors and everyone in the building is going to be having a good time. I think that's something that's sort of like we feel unique to our experience is that everyone in the audience and on stage is having a lot of fun, regardless of like what lines they're saying or what props they're carrying or what seat they're sitting in. Sort of like it's just the vibe is just very fun, you know. That's a very, very good point, because T was recently in a black box, uh, Irma Veep, but I can't remember the first part of the title. Uh, the Mystery. The Mystery of Irma Veep. And the the greatest part about that show Such is that show. you and... Max Robinette. <laughs> Max Robinette were obviously just having a great time. Mm-hmm. And that really pulls an audience in. Mm-hmm. And my last question. This is a community theater podcast. Why is community theater important? I mean, it is an opportunity for people who um, maybe don't want to or were not able to uh, make theater their full-time career. Um, And I think it is like sort of a a place for um, people who want... People who who might need that sort of theater community, I, th- I think it is it's nice to um, have a collective of uh, people together, um, sort of like making theater in a way that um, you, you know they don't have to like be there for uh, sixteen hours for a, a straight two weeks, like <laughs> in um, sort of professional stuff. But then also, um, I don't know. Um, what would you say? Maybe I'll have something else. Sure. Uh, it's an investment. Let me tell you why. Um, not in the way of like that you would see on like a financial advisor's sort of advice, but I mean like you can take your wallet and sort of fly out to New York and see a bunch of stuff on Broadway, or fly to Chicago. Fly? Why would you do that? Drive to Chicago. You know, and see Mary Poppins or Jersey Boys in Chicago, and that is great. And that is, you know, there's a there are reasons to do those those sorts of entertainment, um, and support the arts that way. What's really nice about what we do in the Quad Cities is that the money that you bring to the arts in your area lets your area be as colorful as those areas, Mm. and the money that you spend in House of Ruckus specifically goes back to two things. It goes back into making our productions as colorful and fun and wacky and um, less stressful uh, each time, you know? So, like, the budget that you have is also kind of the amount of stress that you're going to go to trying to figure out how cheap can I make this or how much time do I have to make this thing really cheap or how mm. expensive or how much, you know? But the, the money that you spend at the theater goes into making the show look as good as it does. And it also goes into supporting the artists specifically. Every single cast member and crew member is paid something in our show. We, it's always, you know, whatever we make from the door, we'll split it some way mm-hmm. and pay everyone because that's we, we, we aim so hard to be professional like that, you know, because we want to see that it's never that much, not in a mean way. It's just we don't make a ton of money. But that money is going back into the pockets of the artists that you just sat and were entertained by, you know, yeah. instead of being at home thinking about all the 
strange and socially inappropriate things that you've done over the past however many years and then stewing <laughs> in that you can cut that part <laughs> well as, as tristan tapscott once said we don't do it for the money we do it because we love it yeah yeah. Shout yeah. out to Tristan Tapscott, who we have also mentioned on pretty much every single episode oh, we've yeah. recorded. <laughs> yeah. And he's not even paying us. Wow. True. Thank you guys so much for being here. Yes, We appreciate indeed. it. We appreciate everything you do, and this yeah. has been awesome. Thank you guys for listening to us. Yeah, thanks for... Um, no one ever lets us talk this long, so... <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Footlights, a community theater podcast from the Quad Cities. Footlights is a production of WVIK, Quad Cities, and PR. I'm Jaren Michelle. And I'm Chris Hicks. Break Break a a leg. leg.